0: are definitely now in the middle of our 10 and 10 series. Definitely now because we are hitting number five. And, uh, you know, we started this journey with the idea of spending one week at a time on each of the commands. Again, just reminding everybody of the commandments themselves, the Ten Commandments. Although in some people's minds sometimes speak of that which is restrictive and life constraining. In reality, it was actually given as a gift by God to his people, Israel, when they left Egypt. Remember, they had been an enslaved people. They didn't really have an identity. They didn't have a a law, a way of being that allowed them to live whole and blessed. And so one of the gifts of God was to give them this thing called the law. And part of the the central core of the law were these ten commands. God said if you hear these commands and honor them and learn to obey them, they will produce not only a sense of stability for you as a people, they will become guiding principles that your nation can prosper around. And so they really were given as gifts. We talked about how each of the commands has a positive side, especially the front four. We also talked about how, in the past weeks, how you know the commandments themselves, the ten, can be divided up neatly into two sections. The first four really have everything to do with loving God. The second uh, piece, five through ten, has a lot to do with loving people. Jesus himself summarized that, right, when he said... When they asked him, What should we do? How do we summarize? What do you say about the commands and the law? And Jesus said, Well, I'll summarize it in this way. And he really does do exactly what we're talking about. He says, The first command is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second, love your neighbor, others, people as yourself. He says, when you do that, you've essentially summed up the entire the central core of everything that God's trying to teach us. Love God, love people. This, he says, is the center of everything. When it comes to to this, it's important to remember also that we are not given the um, option of choosing only one half of the commands, right? And it's not like we can just say, and I've talked to people, they say, you know, I love God. I, I love Jesus. It's just people I don't like. <laughs> and I say, you can't, you can't do that, right? You can't do that. You can't, we, this, the whole idea of this is that real faith has to, has to play itself out in everyday life. And everyday life means working through issues with people. I mean, so many of our problems, so many of our challenges, so many of our tensions, so much of our anxiety is connected to people, people maybe we work with, people we love, people we're in relationship with, our own family, our friendships that sometimes can erode on us. Um, how, do we, how do we learn how to, to love people properly um, as we're seeking to love God in our lives? Again, it's where it really has to show up. To say we love God, as we will see here, there's a verse in 1 John that I just want to put on the board. This was written, by the way, to believers. John, uh, the Apostle John, wrote this in his epistle, epistles towards the end of the New Testament. He, he put this on, on them, and he said that if someone says, I love God, but then they turn around and they, they treat their Christian brother or sister, in this context, again, he was talking about Christian community, he says, and they hate them, which is a strong word. He says, that person's a liar. He says, how can, you know, you think about it, is if we don't love people who we can see, how can we love God who we don't see? I mean, John's really trying to get at the fact that just don't, don't let our faith be so empty that we we say, well, you know, I love God, but when it comes to, to people, uh, you know, certain, how about this, certain people, um, I'm just gonna kind of be okay with certain things going on inside of my heart. And part of the thing that the Lord is gonna teach us here is that, you know, he, He wants us to be a free people. And that means we're going to have to seek to to sometimes grow past certain hurts in life that are holding us back from moving forward. And he wants to teach us with his grace how to negotiate past things that would otherwise embed themselves into, into our hearts and souls and the very fabric of who we are at our personality level and seek to define us. And God wants to, as we walk in him, increasingly bring freedom at, at all dimensions of our life. And that's going to show up in our relationships. It really is. It's going to show up in our ability to love. Um, it's going to show up in our ability to work through problems and to forgive and how to deal with anger that's inside of our own hearts. God's going to get at those things. It's kind of what he does. Um, one of the first things we notice here in the Ten Commands, though, is that when he starts that section of our responsibility to people, he starts it in an interesting way. This Fifth Command talks about honoring our father and mother. I mean, look what it says here in Exodus 20, verse 12. It says, Honor your father and your mother, that he, he tells them, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So the relationship, the first human relationship that God starts with is our parents. And of course, we can extrapolate that out to include grandparents. In, in my case also, I often think of it as inclusive of our in-laws as well, or parental figures in our lives. Um, this idea of honoring them, of what does it mean to honor? It's connected to the Hebrew verb that means to make heavy. It, it, the idea is something is heavy, it's to be heavy. That it's something that we give weight to, right? So that we're saying we respect you. We, we honor you in our life. We, we give you a certain place in our lives, do. To who you are, and some, and some for some of us, this is an extraordinarily easy command. Of all the commands of God, oh, it's just it's easy because we've had parents maybe who've been very honorable in our lives, or we've had been given a, a gift of, of a home, a mom and dad who stayed together, or or of people in our lives who've just been so present and available—not perfect, but kind and good. And, and they some of the, many of us are following Jesus because of examples that came from one or more of our parents or from grandparents who prayed for us. I hear this all the time. You know, um, this, is, this is something that, for some of us, this command is just, yes, absolutely, of course. For others of us who maybe have come from situations that were not ideal. And I think this is increasingly true of not just this present generation, but even my generation before that. Because, you know, I was thinking about it, my wife and I, both both of us, we were talking about this, and we have it at different times in our lives. You know, we've been married 26 years now. Um, we've been able to be present with our own children, but both of us came from broken homes. Before we even hit our adolescence, we already were experiencing a home that was in, in, in wreckage. And when, you, when you're part of a family that's not healthy or that blows apart, that has an effect on you. And it also affects how you, how you try to just you know, think about being a good parent and being honorable as a parent. Those things have an effect, and, and, and again, so what I'm trying to suggest is that for a lot of us when it comes to, and I know a lot of, I've heard a lot of different people share different aspects of their lives as the years have gone by, and one of the common themes that shows up is we're often brought to places when we're following the Lord where we have to make decisions around how much we're going to honor our parents or our grandparents or parental figures like we've mentioned, or, and, and how are we going to do that? some of us have a really hard time because we have such little respect for them and, in fact, hold them accountable for certain things that we even now still work through. How do we honor that which has been dishonorable? I mean, clearly the Bible it starts out by suggesting that if nothing else, we can honor someone for the fact that God used them to bring us in this world. Um, he talks about how, what it, how important it is to do this. But I'm going I'm to spend some time here and just sort of lay some things out. I was, um, you know, sort of talking with my wife again about this, and I was trying to mention to my kids about how I felt how blessed they were to have parents because we were, you know, parents who showed up to things, right? <laughs> uh, and they are they like, saying, yeah, 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 was like, I was like, hey, do you understand what it means to have a go- parent show up one of us show up for your game? You know, ah, I don't bother with that. I, say, Look, I go, I'll tell you, I was growing up, my mom was, mom was working and we were a single-parent house. My, my dad, the whole thing had crumbled. He was kind of gone in some way, so many ways. And it was just, I said, you know, I would be in high school. I said, I would uh, dream about having one parent show up for, some, for a game. Never. It wasn't. And I go, do you, know, do you understand how blessed you are? You know, and they're in their late, our kids are in their teens now, in their early 20s, a couple of them. It's like, what a gift that is. But some of us... We know because we've been a part of, one, not having a parent who wasn't present or left us early or was not there even though they were there. Or in some ways, um, we, we've also witnessed our, our family, like I did, just, just blow up. And that, that, that has an effect on, on, on us. And um, again, when it comes to honoring, I think this command reminds us we're to honor as best as we can, um, even when part of us doesn't want it. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. You know, one of the characteristics, and this is in your handout as well, in Proverbs 30, and I'm not going to dig too far into this, but I want to suggest that as we look at that passage here, it talks about the characteristics of a fractured generation and of a generation that is wayward. And God is describing this generation in these four verses of Proverbs 30. And he lays out these different characteristics. And the first thing he says is there is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. Then he goes on to talk about this generation that is pure in his own eyes. He not washed from his filthiness. There is a generation, how lofty are their eyes, their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords, His Bible's using poetic language, whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. The point being here is that, from I think it's worth noting that dishonoring of parents, which is what verse 11 is about, is put in a procession, right, at the front of the line with these other characteristics of a wayward generation. I mean, verse 12, self-righteousness, immoral, 13, proud, 14, speaking malicious words and oppressing the poor, and all of these things. And then all of a sudden, you've got this dishonoring parents as a characteristic associated with all these other negative things. And so one of the things that we we are reminded of is that a healthy generation or a healthy people will seek to honor uh, their, their father and mother as much as possible. And so kind of keeping that in mind, let me, let me sort of talk about, and we'll just use the banner of considerations to sort of work through this. And I have some things I want to share a little bit from my own personal account as well in a moment. But one of the things it's worth noting, obviously, from the very beginning, is that Jesus himself modeled this when he was on earth. You'll notice in the handout there are two passages. One's in Luke 2, the other one's in John 19. Intentionally looked at these two pieces because the first one in Luke 2 speaks about how Jesus is, um, you know, at the age of 12, he's, <laughs> what an interesting, they, Mary and Joseph lost Jesus for three days. They couldn't find him, right? Which is, this is a great story in and of itself of what happens there. But when they finally find him, he's in the temple. He's teaching. He's, he's engaged in conversation. They say, why have you done this to us, son? We, we've been looking all over for you. We couldn't find you. We left, thought you were with us. We discovered you weren't there. We've been frantically searching for you. Why'd you do this to us? Jesus says, didn't you know? I would, there's only one place I could have been, here in my father's house. They're caught off guard by that statement. What Jesus meant was, this is my father's house. Already at age 12, there was a connection beginning to emerge between who he was, his calling, and um, the role that he had in his life. And yet, what we're told is that even though they didn't quite understand everything Jesus was saying, that Jesus then, and this is a key verse, look at verse, uh, look at verse 51 at the very bottom of Luke 2 in that center column it says then he returned to nazareth with them and notice that phrase and he was what obedient to them now contra- i want that's the, at an early stage in Jesus' life we see that he evidences as an example as a as a child obedience as a way of honoring his father and mother towards the end of his life in his as he <laughs> it is the it is the end on the cross john 19 Jesus is hanging there, the representative, um, sacrificial lamb, if you will, paying the price that we could never pay, giving his life so that we might have life in God, covering our sin, the savior of the world, dying there, splayed out, shamefully, the son of God, almost naked, stuck on a, on a pole between two thieves, people spitting, cursing, rejoicing over his his unseeming and um, shameful ending and seeming that they would be done with Jesus as his enemies laugh him to scorn and in the middle of that we know that Jesus said certain things from the cross as he's dying there in excruciating pain we talk about it all the time but his he, he can barely breathe he's got um, you know just pain moving through his body crucifixion was selected as a means of, of Capital punishment by the Romans for a couple of reasons. One, it was exceptionally painful. Two, it was extraordinarily shameful. And three, um, it took a long time for someone to die. Periodically, someone would show mercy and offer somebody something of a sedative or an anesthetic to, to take away the pain. They tried to offer Jesus something. He wouldn't take it. He, he kept his, his mind, and he spoke words. Seven sayings are recorded. On the cross, one of those sayings is directed to, interestingly enough, his mother and to John, who had showed up after he had initially run away. In that moment, think about it, as Jesus is literally carrying the weight of this world, the sin of this world, and doing something of cosmic relevance in the middle of this moment, of, as fulfilling the very purpose for which he had come to die to give himself for, he, he, he stops and he says something that reminds us of the importance of the fifth command. Look what, he, look what happens. It says, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, he said, here, here is your son. And then he turned, and the disciple whom Jesus loved was the way that John spoke of himself in the third person. And he said to his disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his house as, her, as, as his own. But what happens there is Jesus is in the middle of this moment, and he turns and he says to, 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 to his mother Mary, he says, this is, this is your son. And son, behold your mother. He, he, he takes this moment to honor Joseph, it appears, had been dead for a number of years, Jesus, the eldest takes the responsibility, even there, if there was ever a reason to say, well, ah, there's no need, this this will all work itself out, he makes it a point to honor his mother in this moment. And it's something that many people have just sort of sat with and said, do you see the value of it? See how Jesus, even here, is making it a point to say to John, you take care of her. And, and, And this is now your son. I mean, it's this beautiful moment of care. And, concern. and it leads me to this, this, this second piece here, is that honoring our, our mother, our father, um, our in-laws, our grandparents uh, is evidenced primarily and obviously directly for our parents here when we're young in obedience. But later on by respect and in kindness as we grow older. So a lot of times we say, well, what do we mean by honoring? Well, what we're talking about, you know, when you're we little, it, it shows up in obedience, but as we get older, It's not obedience. In fact, there are times when it is appropriate to disagree. As a follower of Jesus, we are are required to exercise self-government and to make our own decisions. There will be times where we will have disagreements. We will not always see eye to eye. However, even though we are given that privilege of disagreement, we are never given the right in God to speak condescendingly, spitefully, unkindly, To those who have been given this role in our lives. That one of the things the Lord will challenge us around, and you say, Well, you don't know them. They're they're dishonorable. But I I know what God has asked us to do. As much as lies within us, we need to do this. It's something that um, I think oftentimes is is missed. And I I get it. I understand that that, um, there are times where we feel like, you know, they don't deserve it, or, you know, they don't know how they treated me. And uh, I'm just gonna suggest that. As much as possible, with the grace of God, needs to fill our lives so that we can, again, I, I'm saying this. For some of us, this is not a challenge. For others of us, it is actually very difficult. And this leads me to the third piece here where I'm going to spend my, a little bit of time just sharing a little bit out of my own story. Is that I'm going to suggest that honoring our parents is not always easy. And in fact, I, I, in some cases, it will, it will require an extreme dose of the grace of God. I remember my resentment towards my father, particularly as a teenager. Um, I, I kind of blamed him for our family. I had reasons for it falling apart, you know. And um, I remember how angry I was with him and how, how little I thought of him, both little in terms of how little I thought of him and how little I thought of him in terms of how I didn't. It, well, didn't think of him highly. And uh, I was around, something happened because a few years after our family blew up, uh, I was about 14 years old when, right in that period in my freshman year in high school, when something happened to me that dramatically altered my life. Not too far from that other thing that would have dramatically and has and altered my life. But I had... Um, Uh, exchange with the Lord that that affected me deeply. I had grown up around church. I had gone to Sunday school. I knew the Bible. I knew Jesus was my Savior. I believe, you know, at some level I I agreed. But you know what? I never really knew the Lord as my own. And it got to this point where where I was in the middle of something and I I just, the the spirit of the Lord, the power of the presence of God, as we would say, just really, my heart opened up. It's like when the Bible talks about it, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. All of a sudden, everything that I had seen, I saw it different. In, in terms of God, the Bible that I had read, you know, and looked at and knew about, all of a sudden it's just it's bursting out with life and, and, and there was stuff and I wanted to know more and I want to read more and I want to get it. And, and, I, and all of a sudden this God that I had heard about and talked about and Jesus, the name that I was so familiar with, all of a sudden it was like, the Lord, you're moving in my life. I feel your, I feel your presence. I'm, I'm open to change. I want to follow your way for my life. I want to follow your will. I'm, I'm open, God. I, there's a relate. There was a relationship. There was movement. There were the waters. Everything were coming alive. It was like I was seeing things totally different than what I had seen. And it was a big deal. It changed me. All of a sudden, there was a real love for the Lord that was emerging. Part of the problem, though, was I still had this other thing hanging on. You know, this kind of anger there about what had transpired. And, and uh, I remember how at that critical stage in my life, and again, just stay with me on this, but I, I felt like, you know, God gave me two gifts. That really were, And a lot of times we'll find that in our worst places that, that oftentimes God will show up and he will, he will do something that reminds us that he is with us. And one of the things the Lord gave me was this emerging relationship with my grandfather who was my father's father, who was a pastor, who had driven a... a, a, a he had been a bivocational pastor, found a little church here in San Francisco, dr- drove a muni bus... Till he had to retire, pastored, um, just gave his life to the things of God. Never saw a lot of big movement, but in his, his six, late sixties and 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 seventies, I began to build a relate. He began to build a relationship. One of the things he did was build a relationship with me, and all of a sudden, just our lives intersected. Just that crucial period in my life, and God. Really, he became like an island of stability to me. He taught me how to love God, how to pray. Uh, Not a perfect man, but a godly man. The real deal, when you see it, it affects you. And it was a gift from God. And it was important. And it was critical. But then there was something else that happened. Something else happens as I'm beginning to move forward in the Lord beginning to try to, you know, explore what does it mean to be open to God, and and, and I'm reading his words, and I, they were making a difference in me, and I remember praying one time, and it was like, the, I felt like the Lord, uh, the Lord really touched me. Now, some of you know exactly what I mean. It's like, there's this there are times where you're praying, you're open, and you're very vulnerable with the Lord, and all of a sudden, you just feel like uh, you might even be reading something in the Bible, and all of a sudden, it's like, this is what I say, that word becomes a word. The word becomes a word for us. And it's like that's you. And I remember this part p- moment period where God was trying to get at my anger which was connected to my hurt. That's how I protected myself with it. Just in that area. Just cover and it's like the Lord saying, I want that. Some of us have areas in our lives where God's saying, I want to get there. I say, no, Lord, that's kind of my spot. It's kind of me, it's kind of we don't go there. Lord said, I need that. You say you want to follow me. I need that. But, Lord, that's too painful. I need that. You need to let it go. Something, I will come and bow down at your feet, dear Jesus. I will, I will, I will give it to you. Uh, I give you this. And there was this moment where I said, Lord, I, I give you this. And, you know, I felt, I felt like the Lord started to quell the angry waters of, uh, of my soul. I, I, I felt if not the fullness of forgiveness, not the rush of forgiveness, then the brush of forgiveness, a little bit. And it wasn't like this amazing, you know, torrent of love started flowing, but the anger started stopping, right? And all of a sudden, God's doing something. Practically speaking, I did, what, what I started to do is I made a decision right then and there just to think more about the blessings of the past than on the, the wounds of the past. And I remember myself, um, I, I, I remember telling myself that, you know what, You're, my dad had been a good provider for me. And again, I, I, I was living at the time with my mom, uh, a single parent kind of family with my brother. And I started to of remind myself, you know, my dad had been a, faith, a faithful provider early on. So that, that was one thing. And I also started as I got older, I started to to reflect on how he himself was a a wounded man. And not to excuse, but to understand. Because he had deep wounds, deep hurts, and um, he didn't know how to handle them. Do you understand? Do you hurt people hurt people? It's kind of like some people don't know how to... It's not an excuse, but it helps to understand. And one of the, <laughs> the, there is a truth that I've come to appreciate as I've gotten older, as the years have gone by. And I think one of it is this, that youth is very idealistic. And yet, as we get older, I think a lot of times age teaches us to appreciate complexity. I know it's a generalized statement, but I think there's truth to it. Not everything is so clear as we used to see it. Um, there are, we begin to realize there's nuance, there's different things. I didn't see it at the time there's other stuff going on here. It doesn't change some things that really happen, but it does help to begin to process it out a little bit differently than we would have otherwise. And I think that's part of the Lord's way of teaching us that it's not always as everything seems to walk humbly with him. And you know what happened to me is that it was um, in my my 20s and 30s and early 40s and again, as the years went by, I slowly began to have a re-engagement with my father relationally, but it was always regretful a little bit, always lived with a sigh, I'm just being very honest with you. Neither one of us quite knowing how to completely bridge the gap. Because so much was missed. And so, so much was lost. And it was always kind of a bit of a sigh. Uh, it was never what it could have been, never what it should have been. But it emerged and it, it got better. And it was in 2008 when my father was uh, dying of cancer, really that I was given an opportunity. It was always easy for me to honor my mom, but I was given an opportunity to honor my father. And um, I remember a few days before his death that we were able to really pray together and uh, affirm something. He had a faith in Christ, but it had never really played itself out. This, but we confessed Christ together, prayed together. Um, you know, it, it was, this is why I told somebody. I said, it was a good closing paragraph to an otherwise unhappy story and for that I'm grateful because the, 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 the love that was squandered is, could never be recovered I can't go back look you know it there are some things we wish we could do differently wish would have been different would have loved for them to have been different but we're not we can't go back and change it, it is there it's I don't want to use that phrase it is what it is Use too much. All right. But it is what it is. Uh, and the fact is, I couldn't go back and change it. I couldn't go, we, There are things we can't go back and change in life. They, they are uh, done. But how do we live? How do we move forward? How do we grow? How do we, how do we get past it? How do we get the wounds healed up? I think honoring our parents and grandparents and uh, parental figures when all is said and done is not nearly as contingent on them as it is on us. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. We, well, okay, I, I understand there are some relationships, and that Bob, is probably true of any critical relationship in our life. This principle applies. There are some things we can't, we can't make another person do. It, it's true. We don't control anybody. So a person doesn't want something to be better, it won't get better. We can't make it happen, and we can't feel guilty all the time about what another person doesn't want to do, because that's just robbing our ability to be a blessing where we're supposed to be. So we can't live there. At the same time, you know, it's true. We can't make another person, but we can can do this. We can get our heart as free as possible. And we can take responsibility for our own heart. As much as lies within us, let the grace of God invade our lives so that the sun shines in and increasingly flows out. So that the way in which we view things is with the absence of malice. That by the grace of God, I live freely in him. And I will seek to my best to forgive. And I will seek my best to honor where where I can. And I will seek my best to be grateful. And I will seek my best to be okay with the unfair things in life. And I will seek by your grace, Lord, to bless sometimes and to give even when it is not deserved. Because that maybe is when I am most like you. It's Jesus said it is easy to bless when when good is done to us. And that's true. Jesus said, but you know when it's really when it really really is is when we bless that which has not been we respond with blessing when we've been hurt. Now he says we're walking in his path. That is the way of the Lord to to not get entrenched in our hurt in our resentment and our remorse about what you cheated me out of but rather to say in Christ I am free I am filled with his goodness in my life I am increasingly learning how it, what it means to live a life of blessing and you know what happens we end up becoming the very blessing that we wanted to get ourselves it's the way of the lord and there are people God has for us to bless. I'll leave you with this. There are going to be people in our lives that we're going to give, be given an opportunity to affect and impact, not out of perfection, but because there's a real sincerity to honor Jesus in our lives. And because we are open and willing to grow and become more of what he wants us to be, what happens will be is out of that will generations of people, you say, what do you mean, gen-? yes, people, one person can be affected that person affects many. And those many affect many others. And instead of having a generational dysfunction passed down, we get a a, a generational blessing of life. This is the way of the Lord. And it starts sometimes by choosing to do the, the hard thing by the grace of God. So the song that we're ending with, let me just say a few words about this. It's called Save a Place for Me. And really when we thought of this song, it was with the intent of trying to honor people who've gone and who aren't with us anymore, who've gone ahead, and who've made a difference in our lives, and the idea of someday we'll see you again. But in the meantime, one of the things I want to do to honor you again, honor their memory, honor their blessing, is to seek to live our lives in a way that honors God. And we all have a, a lifetime to give and to, it's, it's gone fast. We all have a day and soon we will join others who have gone ahead. And this is our time to, to do things as well as we can and to forgive quickly and to get past things and to let the master physician get into the places that no human can actually go and do a work inside of our soul and heal things up. Let me pray. Lord, as we... Uh, We think about these truths as we sit with them. We are reminded that you are the most skilled surgeon of the soul that there has ever been. You made us. You know us. And I pray that you would continue to just work your purposes through our lives. Some of us have been given great blessing. May we steward those blessings well and not take them for granted. Others of us, Lord, have had to work through very difficult things and are working through them now. And that's okay. You are wounded for us. We can live with you. We walk with you. We grow with you. I pray that you would teach us your ways and show us the path. Help us, Lord, to become more of what you have for us to be so that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. This would be our desire, Lord. Help us. We welcome you in, Lord. Be honored. Be honored in our our closing song. Be honored in our giving time. In all things, be honored in our lives too, Lord. Keep keep working. We're, We're open. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, Lord.
1: Don't be mad If I cry It just hurts so bad Sometimes, cause every day it's sinking in, and I have to say goodbye all over again. You know, I bet it feels good to have the weight of this world off your shoulders, and now I'm dreaming of another day when I'm finally there with. Save a place for me, save a place for me. I'll be there soon, I'll be there soon. Save a place for me, save some grace for me. I'll be there soon, I'll be there soon. without a I. I, I The questions, why? But I guess the answer's for another time. So instead, I'll pray with every tear and be thankful for the time I had you here. You just same place for me Same place for me